Well, as Mark already mentioned, uh, we are uh, continuing our series in the book of James. We're picking up where we left off a few weeks ago uh, in James chapter 3. And so now I'll ask uh, Shirley to come up and read our passage to us. Thanks, Shirley. So the reading for today is James chapter 3, verse 13 to 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Great, thank you, Shirley. Uh, who is wise? and understanding among you. Uh, that's the first line of our passage in James this morning. But it's also a question uh, I'm asking you right now, Ambassador, who is wise and understanding among you? Uh, who is it? Who would you point to? Would you include yourself? Do you possess wisdom? In Proverbs 16, uh, 16 says, how much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than silver. I think we all uh, instinctively know this. We all desire uh, to be wise, to be making right decisions, to be living uh, and according to God's ways. I mean, just think about your prayer requests, your prayer life. If I had to guess, I'd bet that prayers for wisdom are some of the most frequently prayed in your life. As a pastor, uh, maybe uh, the most frequent request I hear from church members is, uh, how can I pray for you? Pray for wisdom. Uh, pray that God would give me wisdom for this job opportunity. Uh, pray for wisdom in dealing with this difficult parenting situation. Uh, pray for wisdom, uh, how to talk to my parents or my work colleagues about Jesus. Uh, pray for wisdom for me as I give advice to my friend who's struggling in, in some way. Reality is, you think about wisdom quite a lot. But in all our desire for godly wisdom, uh, here's the question, how do you know you've attained it? Well, this is some of what James wants to show us in our passage today as he writes to these early Jewish Christians. Remember, these Christians James is writing to have been persecuted uh, they're feeling the pressure that comes with trying to live out a genuine faith in Jesus in a world that is opposed to him uh, and opposed to his people. We saw earlier in chapter 2, these Christians were compromising because of this. Uh, they were using their tongues in ways that uh, destroyed others. It was causing major problems in their church. And James here identifies uh, the, maybe the main cause of all these problems. Christians were lacking godly wisdom. They had instead adopted a false wisdom, a wisdom from the world. 
I think the same danger exists for us, uh, especially given the, the city and the culture we live in. And so we need to know, how can we tell what godly wisdom is, or what heavenly wisdom is versus a earthly wisdom? What do they look like? This is exactly what James is going to help us do. You can see the passage uh, in your bulletin there breaks down into two sections. Uh, So the first in 14 to 16 is earthly wisdom, what that looks like, and then contrasted in the next section by what heavenly wisdom looks like. And so the challenge for us uh, this morning is this, which wisdom have you adopted Which of these two wisdoms most guides your life, your decisions, your behaviors, your relationships? And my prayer for us is as we come to God's word, we might be able to detect and reject earthly wisdom and instead look more and more like godly wisdom for for the sake of our church and for the sake of God's glory. And so let's look together first at what does earthly wisdom look like? Uh, Verse 13, James says this, uh, who is wise? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done and the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Isn't it interesting that uh, when James starts describing earthly wisdom, uh, he doesn't talk about intellect or knowledge. He talks about heart attitudes and practices. For James, wisdom is something that can be seen, something you can observe in someone. It makes a difference in how the person actually behaves and lives That's what he says there in verse 13, who is wise, let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. I wonder if you think about wisdom in this way. I think we tend to think about wisdom uh, as something intellectual, something like uh, having much knowledge, uh, academically gifted maybe, Uh, but wisdom is more about what our hearts are doing than with uh, the circumstances that we're in. Uh, it's less about uh, what school we choose to go to, uh, more about the attitudes we have in our hearts as we live and as we make these decisions. Uh, both worldly wisdom and biblical wisdom play out in the ways we act and live. So what does earthly wisdom look like? Well, we see its characteristics there in verse 14. Uh, James first says, bitter envy. Bitter envy, this would be looking at someone else, who they are, uh, what they have, what they've accomplished, their privileges, uh, their gifts, their job title maybe, uh, and uh, we were bitter towards them because of it. Our discontent, uh, discontentment in our hearts that breeds harshness, uh, anger, maybe even hatred in your heart towards the person who has what you don't. Bitter envy and then selfish ambition. Uh, Ambition can be a good thing when it's aimed towards the right ways, but this is an ambition that's self-seeking. It's self-centered, it's prideful, it's egocentric. It's an attitude that places your own thoughts, your own desires, your own dreams uh, at the very top of the priority list. 
When it interacts with people, it maintains that my needs come first, my goals, my fulfillments, my achievements, uh, my opinions are the most important. James says, look, if, if these attitudes are at work in your heart, don't boast about it as if it's a good thing. Uh, to do that is to deny the truth. Uh, why? Because these attitudes are the exact opposite of the gospel. Uh, Jesus Christ uh, made himself nothing for us. Uh, he, had, he humbled himself for our interests and for our good. And so Christians are called to live similarly. And so to live a life characterized by envy, by selfish ambition, is to prove that your claim to be wise is a lie. Uh, Isn't it interesting that James, when he's trying to describe the opposite of godly wisdom, he names these two qualities. Out of all the ones he could have named uh, that are are ungodly attitudes, he chose these. Why these? I think it's likely that uh, these were the ones that he saw most clearly to the Christians he was writing to. Uh, We know from elsewhere in the letter that there was rivalry and slander and quarreling going on. They had uh, chosen selfishness and bickering. But also self-centeredness is at the very heart of our sin problem. uh, The very root of rejecting God's way of life. That's what envy and selfish ambition have in common. They're both self-focused, self-obsessed. That's what sin uh, basically comes down to. There are two ways to live. You can live God's way uh, with your life focused on him, and you can live your own way with you at the center of the universe. Uh, We know the uh, famous verse in Proverbs 1-7 that tells us uh, wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. This is a, means a willingness to submit to his instruction, to his teaching, to obey his word, uh, to understand that he knows best. But a self-centered heart does not desire to submit to any such thing. And therefore, it prevents one from becoming wise. As one pastor puts it, uh, the more self-focused you are, the less wise you will be. The more you chase your own desires, your own empire, your own kingdom, the less wise you will be. You can have multiple PhDs. You can be skilled and recognized in your field. You can have a great reputation among your peers and coworkers. You can be rich in years and experience. But none of these things make you wise, necessarily. If you have all that, and you also have a heart that's self-focused, You're a fool, James says. And friends, this kind of me-centeredness that places ourself on a pedestal, it is sin. It's wicked idolatry. And it's like a drug. This kind of thing prevents us from seeing reality clearly. It leads to all the wrong decisions in our lives. And if these attitudes are allowed to steer our lives, wisdom, godly wisdom, is impossible It's no surprise then that James tells us in verse 15 where this wisdom comes from. Uh, Its origin in verse 15, he says, Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Uh, Make no mistake, this wisdom that promotes self above all is not from God. It's wisdom the world promotes. 
Such wisdom uh, doesn't come from the father of lights, but rather the father of lies. It's deceptive uh, from the deceiver himself. The one who would do anything to uh, boost your own ego would do anything to steer you away from glorying in God. And of course, in the the world that James is writing to, the Greco-Roman world, uh, humility and submissiveness, listening to others, uh, these were not desirable values. Actually, to live a a good life uh, in that time, uh, you needed ambition. You needed to get ahead of the competition, however you could, even if you had to push others out of the way to do so. It was the wise thing to do. And this earthly wisdom had seeped into the church, so much so that they were boasting about their ambition. How similar is this to our world? I wonder if you thought uh, it odd there in verse 14, it says they were boasting in this. Uh, Who would boast about envy and selfish ambition? I think this shows us the reality that we are so easily confused at true wisdom. The wisdom of the world actually seems so obvious to us, uh, so natural. Sometimes we don't even question it. We even boast about it as if uh, that is true wisdom. None of us uh, set out to say, yeah, I really need some more selfishness in my life. I really need to grow in bitter envy. Instead, wisdom comes, uh, this wisdom comes packaged in really attractive ways, ways that seem to be right to our own minds. Uh, It makes it so easy to rationalize self-centeredness as if that's how we need to live. This is why Paul writes uh, in 1 Corinthians, uh, he says, do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. A worldly wisdom can seem so wise and humility, others-centered heart can seem so weak and so foolish. Don't be deceived. I mean, think for a moment about uh, envy in your own life. Maybe a time you were were envious of someone. Uh, Perhaps it was their, their job, their education, maybe their amazing flat, uh, their spiritual gifts. Uh, But I I bet there's a chance you didn't even see it as envy. Uh, Instead thought, I just want things to be fair. Uh, Surely God wants things to be fair. Uh, I deserve the same opportunities as as this person, don't I? Or think about an unfulfilled desire or, or dream in your life. Uh, perhaps to uh, reach a certain income, uh, to find a spouse, to be recognized in your community or your work for an achievement. Uh, The world says if those are your dreams, then you deserve to have them fulfilled, whatever it takes. God uh, wants me to be happy. He wants to bless me. He wants to use me for great things. Uh, We are swimming in the world's wisdom. It's all around us. It's in the air we breathe every time we go to work. And the wisdom of the world actually isn't just neutral as well, but rather it's set on infusing us with its wisdom. The world has set its targets on you, making sure that you stay self-focused. For example, listen to this observation uh, from Pastor Jason Seville. 
He says, did you know that there are people working around the clock to stir up envy and selfishness in your heart? There are people, advertisers, marketers, whose job it is right now to essentially make sure that you don't have an ounce of godly wisdom. I wonder if you've thought about that. Practically every hour of every day, there are images and videos placed before your eyes that have one message. Uh, You need this. You deserve that. Now look at this person. Don't you want their happiness? Don't be content where you are. You deserve better. Or just think about your social media feed for a moment. Did you see that restaurant she went to? Or look at, look at who uh, he's hanging out with. Look at that amazing vacation their family took. Over and over, bitterness seeps in to our souls. Earthly wisdom sets in. I wonder if, if you find that scrolling through social media, uh, when you're done, you usually end up with some envy and bitterness in your heart. I uh, wonder if you'd think about limiting your time that you use on there. Think about asking a friend or a family member to, to hold you accountable. I think the big picture here is that we should never assume that we're operating with godly wisdom just because we're Christians or in a Christian home. We need to be on the alert. We need to be uh, fighting hard against it. It's too deceptive just to be on autopilot. We are in a uphill battle and the stakes really are high. Uh, this is what James says next. Look where James says this kind of wisdom leads. Uh, we see its results there in verse 16. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Uh, this kind of earthly wisdom is detected by these fruits, by disorder, uh, chaos, quarrels, instability. Where Christians and Christian leaders are more interested in pursuing their own ambitions, their own causes, than building up others uh, by building up the whole body, oh, the community will inevitably collapse into chaos. And an unlimited variety of sins will take place. We saw earlier in James in chapter 3, uh, Christians were using their tongues to destroy one another. Well, we might wonder, why were they doing this? Why did they have such slander and gossip in their hearts? Well, it was this reason they had adopted this earthly wisdom rather than heavenly wisdom. I think this sobers us. This can happen to them. It can certainly happen to us. The truth is that envy and selfish ambition hinder God's kingdom tremendously. Uh, And the reason is they keep people like us who should be unified in love, separate and suspicious of one another. People who should be cooperating to serve uh, God's kingdom and its advance together uh, keeps them prideful and jealous. Think about maybe the general consumer mentality that can so easily slip into our minds. When everyone comes to church uh, expecting the first priority to be having my own needs met, others serving me, making sure I'm happy, I'm, I'm growing, I'm taking care of, then what happens? Disorder. Uh, there's no one to serve. Uh, there's no one to look after the children, no one to lead the singing, no one to pass out the bags, no one to do logistics, no one to talk to new people, no one to encourage and pray with a struggling brother or sister. We could go on and on. 
I hope you can see just how important detecting earthly wisdom is. It's the root that from which springs up disorder and every evil practice. Oh, what does this all mean for us? Well, at this point, I think um, what we should not do is simply respond with, okay, yes, I need to be less selfish. I need to be less self-absorbed and then resolve to make some changes. Of course, we must take steps to uh, confront the sin in our own lives. That's good. But if we turn this passage into what we must do, then it remains all about us and our performance. Where do we begin? Well, I, I think first we need to look, uh, we need to let the text do its work of exposing how we fail at this in so many ways, each of us individually and us as a church, how selfish we are. And not just from the world, not the world's influence, but our own flesh. It comes naturally. We have no one to blame but ourselves. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says this, uh, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. And so we admit the selfishness in our hearts, but it's when we admit that and see our need that we're turned to the hope of the gospel. Friends, consider Jesus who came to our world, and though he was bombarded by worldly wisdom at every turn, he never gave in. He never labored to self-seeking ends, even though he was the only one who deserved all glory and all praise. Instead, he did everything not for his will, but his Father's will, including willingly humbling himself and going to the cross and be killed, paying the cost for the selfishness of me and of you. And then he rose from the grave. So now whoever comes to him, trusting in him for their sins, they can have their sins wiped away. They can have true peace with God. And so for those of us who have trusted in Christ, uh, believed in the gospel, because of the gospel, we now receive this passage, uh, not as you're not good enough, try harder, but as a gift, a gift from our father that sets us free from living for ourselves, for the ambition that holds us back from serving one another in Christ, a gift that exposes us so that God may work in us for his glory through Christ. And so through the power of the gospel and his spirit in our lives, we can, with his help, put away earthly wisdom. We can instead look more and more like heavenly wisdom in our lives. That's exactly where James uh, turns to next. Let's look at point two, heavenly wisdom. Verse 17, James says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So we've seen what earthly wisdom looks like. James turns to heavenly wisdom now, its characteristics. And we see that's first of all, pure. A trans translation could be uh, something like chaste or set apart. Uh, kind of like how a, a wife or a husband might be set apart for their spouse. Heavenly wisdom is, is not the person who's kind of got one foot in the church world, in the Christian world, and then one foot uh, in the world's wisdom 
No, it's, it's the person wholly set apart for God. They aren't defiled or, or tainted. Instead, they cling with their whole selves to God's way as he's revealed in his word as it's pure before him. But then this heavenly wisdom is also uh, looks towards others. This is what James goes on to say. The person with wisdom is also peace-loving and considerate. This person seeks out peace and harmony with others like someone would seek out a treasure, uh, something desirable and valuable. This person is, is gentle and kind. When they're confronted or when they're sinned against, they're kind of like a, a shock absorber. Now, rather than raising the temperature of the conversation or discussion, they, they often cool it down with their gentle spirit. They aren't easily riled up by the shortcomings or irritations of others. They're considerate. You know, they can get into the shoes of someone else, understand and empathize, see things from their perspective. Uh, this person is also submissive. Other tra translations will say uh, reasonable, uh, willing to yield or open to reason. So in stark contrast to the person who wants to elevate themselves and their own opinions and desires, uh, they actually leave room for the possibility that they might be wrong. They might have something to learn. Uh, listen to how pastor and author Justin uh, DeLay puts it. He says, if we're, uh, if we're going to grow in this trait of wisdom, then we're going to have to not just accept, but love this very simple reality. We are not God. And because we're not God, our way is not always best. We are probably wrong about a lot. Only God has perfect wisdom. The rest of us have room to grow. So we can begin by asking God for the kind of humility that can say, I'm sorry, or let's try it your way this time. I think this is especially true for those we have disagreements with, for those we find it hard to get along with maybe. Uh, we have different opinions on parenting or dating or politics, uh, maybe how the church is run. People with heavenly wisdom are, are able to listen and hear others out, consider that what this person's saying actually may be true. This person doesn't have to win every argument and doesn't have to have the last word. Its motto is better to be kind and peaceable than to be right. So church, uh, evaluate your own interactions with others. Maybe especially those you disagree with in some way. How do those conversations usually go? Uh, what are your online interactions like with, with others? How are you like over WhatsApp? Uh, heavenly wisdom listens to others. It asks questions. It seeks the genuine good of the other. James also says heavenly wisdom is full of mercy and good fruit. That is to say it overflows with compassion for those around it. It seeks to do good to them, to extend practical love and service and forgiveness when it's sinned against. As this person has grasped how uh, amazingly they've been forgiven, how much mercy they've actually been shown, and they're eager to do the same and show the same to others around them. And then finally, we see it's impartial and sincere. This wisdom isn't based on any external circumstances. It doesn't kind of flip around based on who you're interacting with, whether it's someone you really like or someone you don't get along with. It has stability. 
It tells us the truth we need to hear, not the truth we want to hear, and it does this out of love. It doesn't say one thing and then do another. Uh, it's trustworthy and transparent and genuine. So I hope a, a picture is starting to emerge of this person with heavenly wisdom, what they look like, how they interact, what drives them, uh, what their goals are. I'm sure there's even people you know in this church who look a lot like godly wisdom. Uh, praise God. Uh, follow them. Learn from them. Uh, heavenly wisdom obviously uh, comes from heaven and not from the world. That's where uh, we're looking at next, its origin. Uh, it's God's wisdom, his way of living rightly and well, which means that this will seem very strange, very weird and unnatural to the world. It'll be difficult, too, for our own natural tendencies. To cling to this wisdom will mean an uphill battle. It'll mean intentionally filtering out worldly wisdom and, and clinging to God's. This wisdom will look absolutely bizarre to the world around us, to our coworkers, maybe to our families and neighbors. And when we kind of don't uh, step over someone else to get ahead, well, that's just very strange. How do we do this? I think if we know that wisdom is from above, that's its source, well, then of course that's where we must look to receive it. Uh, it's obvious, but we must say it. We must saturate ourselves in scripture. A scripture is the medium by which God communicates his wisdom to us. Uh, Psalm 119, 130 says this, uh, the unfolding of your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. A friend, you want to be wise? Uh, go to the source often. Bathe yourself in the word uh, daily. Study it. Immerse yourself in it. Uh, grab a good book about how to study the Bible better for yourself. Or grab a friend and, and read it with them. Listen, uh, if the bulk of our information, our intake, and our knowledge comes from uh, unsourced, untested stream of mindless internet scrolling, is it any wonder we, we find ourselves lacking wisdom? I wonder if you begin each day with a plan of how to nourish your soul, where you're going to source your wisdom from. What does that plan look like? Maybe you talk to a friend this afternoon about what that plan looks like in their life. Maybe if you're married, uh, talk to your spouse about making a plan as a couple of what looking into God's word and nourishing yourself looks like. And then finally, we see its results. Verse 18 uh, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So unlike the envious, the selfish wisdom that creates chaos in the church community, those who cling to heavenly wisdom bear the fruit of righteousness. That's to say a behavior and relationships that actually please God. A community that's joined together in love and harmony that's a witness to the watching world. That's what James wants of these Christians. He wants righteous lives that reflect Christ in every way, that really live by his word, that are upright and stable and strong. And James says it's those who sow in peace that achieve this. Oh, what should you do with relationships here uh, or people you get along with really well? You should sow in peace. 
What should you do with relationships with people you disagree with? You should sow in peace. What about those who irritate you or sin against you? You should sow in peace. How important is this word for us, especially at a time of leadership transition, like the one we find ourselves in? Friends, as we relate to each other, as we form opinions about where the church needs to be going, of who's even in charge, how they should run things, so in peace. That's what God desires for us. That's what will bring about holiness in our lives and in the lives of one another. Lord, help us so in peace. And so we've, we've seen that you can detect earthly wisdom by its self-focused pride, its passions, uh, the fruit of disorder in a community. And Christians, we must fight against this wisdom in all its deception, in all its allure. And true wisdom, on the other hand, is seen by one who's peace-loving, willing to bear with others, humbly trust that God will grow uh, this peace into the righteousness that he so desires. And so let me ask you again, uh, do you look like wisdom? It's interesting that James doesn't give us any commands about uh, how to actually grow in this wisdom. I wonder if you saw that in the text We talked about uh, being saturated in scripture, and surely that is uh, the first step. We need to start there. But but how else? How else can we grow in these ways? I just want to mention three things really briefly as we close. Uh, The first is to persist in prayer. James has, in fact, already told us how to get godly wisdom. Uh, Back in chapter one, he says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously without finding fault, and it will be given to you. When you read scripture at home or as you come on a Sunday, uh, ask God to open your eyes, to, not, uh, to give you the strength to live by his words. And he promises that he will give it to you generously. And of course, as you face a difficult decision in your life, uh, it's so easy to get wrapped up with all the weighing the pros and cons and making lists, which is certainly good. But why not stop? first and pray. Ask God to grant you his wisdom. Uh, Second, find fellowship. So we've already mentioned you can probably think of people in this church who look a lot like godly wisdom imperfectly, but uh, nonetheless, uh, get time with them. Imitate them. Learn from them. Ask them questions. Get get coffee with them. Maybe ask if they want to read the Bible together for a few weeks. Learn all you can And then finally, come to Jesus. As Colossians 2 says, In him, Jesus, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Look to Jesus. Learn from him. He is the true wisdom in human form. Jesus sowed peace with us when we wanted nothing to do with him. He is full of mercy. And by God's grace, as we devote ourselves to him, we'll look more and more like wisdom day by day. Let's pray together. Father, we we do praise you that you grant us wisdom. We thank you that you you give your wisdom generously to all who ask. We pray, Lord, that you'd help us now be be wise uh, by living as you've showed us in your word. We pray that uh, you'd help us put away earthly wisdom, that we'd uh, detect it rightly, that we not be allured by it, but instead look more and more like the wisdom James describes here for the good of this church and for your glory.
It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.